Welcome everybody, Lee Henson Hasty here on Leading Theologically uh, with my friend Jan Edmonston uh, with the Presbyterian Charlotte. Um, thanks so much for being here, Jan. I'm really pleased to be here. One of my favorite people and I get to talk about Oh Charlotte. gosh, okay, I'm gonna start blushing. I can already <laughs> see it. Y'all, we may start going into a little North Carolina accent, so please keep us honest. You know, I have that in me. I think most of y'all know. I'm uh, the Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development at the Theological Education Fund at the Presbyterian Foundation. It's Committee on Theological Education Work, and it's really an honor, and it's allowed me to meet and uh, get to know Jan in various contexts and leadership roles and Gosh, when she said yes to coming on this, I, I just did, did a little dance. Because as you will see, many of you probably already here already know she is awesome and always has oh. something beautiful to share. Um, she blogs um, also at a church for starving artists. I encourage you. She's been doing that for over 20 years, like 2005, almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. 2005 and she regularly posts and it's great stuff. I mean, it gets reposted uh, on social media, but you can subscribe and follow <laughs> Church for Starving Artists. Um, and most the most recent blog, by the way, I'll just give a little word because it's really a, a request for a prayer is, um, and now I've lost it. It's about, oh, wait, there's no, there's already another one. She just there's posted. A new one. Um, but there was one, or there still is one, about Evan Gershkovich, who's um, being detained in Russia, and it's sort of prayers for him and his release. So we'll add, that's that's an Easter prayer we hope for, yeah. for sure. Um, you're in your home with, looks like George Floyd looking over your shoulder. Oh, I wish George Floyd was looking over my shoulder, but his <laughs> image is there. This is my favorite cover of The New Yorker, so I just included it. It's It's got, um, it's a magnificent art that just reminds me of where we are these days. Mm, 100% like the weight of the world on his neck, right? <laughs> um, yeah. It's scary. It's scary to think. Um, Jan, I think, speaks, you, you just speak so honestly and forthrightly and frankly, and yet still with this silver lining of hope. And I, I loved it. I think in your blog, you talk about yourself as being someone loving the church enough to transform it, realizing we're not done yet. Um, oh and um, so we're going to be talking about that. I hope others who are here, let us know you're here. Um, but as we get started, I'd love to hear, Jan, um, more than about what you learned at University of North Carolina, more than about what you learned at Andover Newton in theological school or Columbia Seminary with a doctor of ministry in the Christian spirituality or as moderator, co-moderator, what the first uh, in a series of co-moderators, everybody's yeah. followed your way. You know, what is it uh, we've said making you come alive, but I think uh, Maria Asasi Diaz really helps us think about our context. So mm -hmm. she often asks something like this, what are you noticing happening around you right now? Mm -hmm. Whew, people are really tired. So mm. I live in Charlotte. I'm a mid-council leader. I'm a general presbyter in Charlotte. And that's not just Charlotte and Mecklenburg County, but it's seven counties, um, including um, Lee's hometown in Monroe. <laughs> and um, and it's so rural, small town, larger town. Um, I learned recently that Charlotte is now bigger than Atlanta. I'm not sure what that means what? in terms of population. Yeah. Wow. A lot of people move to Charlotte every day. Um, but so here I am in the Bible Belt. I live in a place where 
people, um, you know, the, the streets are named after our churches. We have seven churches that are older than the country, as well as some newer ones. And um, the people in our churches run banks and hospitals and universities and seminaries. And so um, I feel really fortunate to be here. And as I wrote recently, um, one of the things I noticed on Easter is that this felt like the most secular Easter I've ever experienced in my life. And wow. I preached at one of our churches. My husband's also a pastor, Fred Lyon. He preached, I don't know how many times, three times maybe on Easter. And um, we both agreed. It just felt very secular. Um, I would not have known I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And maybe that speaks to my own neighborhood. Fred and I live in a neighborhood that's got every kind of person here. We're not really cool enough to live in this neighborhood. It's Plaza Midwood, but we love the, it's dynamic. It is very diverse. Um, it's, it's just, it's an interesting place to live. We went to brunch for um, Easter and we, I mean, we weren't really dressed to the nines ourselves. I'm not wearing an Easter bonnet, et cetera. He's wearing a bow tie. Actually, I think he took off his bow tie, but we are the best dressed people in there. And by that, I mean, people are wearing cutoff shorts. Nobody says happy Easter. There's no Easter brunch menu. I mean, it was just like a regular day. And as we're walking around our, our little neighborhood, it just, it was not, there was no sign it was Easter Sunday, as opposed to- No Easter egg hunts or pastel colors. Not, not anything I could see in my neighborhood, no, but, you know, no. um, and that is that is not true for some of our places in, the, in this yeah. country, but it's very true for many of our places in this country. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I see in general, what I notice around me is a lot of anxiety, mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of stuckness and fear, mm -hmm. um, a lot of despair and diseases of despair that our churches are dealing with um, or could be dealing with more, mm -hmm. but also hope. And that's where that <laughs> somebody I get asked on a regular basis, how can you do this job of mid-council ministry? Because just like being a hospital chaplain, people tend not to call the office unless something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I deal with a lot of things that are going wrong. And you you can all imagine what those things are. Some of you do the same, have the same day. Um, and I could not do it if I also didn't see massive displays of hope. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the church that has crunched their numbers and they are just a great church, but they are not going to be with us for the next five years. And they know the reality of that. So they have decided they're gonna spend their time um, creating a legacy. Um, mm -hmm. One of our churches is looking at a variety of things from home, um, affordable housing to uh, some partnerships with other nonprofits or even for-profits in the knowledge or the, the expectation that they won't be here in five years. Here's the cool thing. I would not be a bit surprised if they are not only here, but thriving in five years and other things have happened beyond their imagination. Mm -hmm. So I get to see that kind of thing all the time. Um, my most recent blog post is about magical thinking. And um, mm -hmm. it sometimes feels like magic in that, mm -hmm. for example, our Presbytery was blessed um, a couple weeks into COVID when we found out we inherited a bunch of money from someone that funded um, COVID grants for any of our churches who needed it for technology or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that feels magical, but it wasn't magic. That was the faithful 
um, decision of a couple from one of our churches. The husband had passed away many, many years before. The, the wife had just passed away in December. And I get an out, out of nowhere call from her son who says, my parents left the Presbytery this money to do whatever you want to do with it. Um, so, And I... I see. They had been loved and formed and shaped right. in congregations, right? right? <laughs> and nobody had prayed for that money. I, I mean, right. I, sometimes I think we use prayer as magic, expecting mm-hmm. something to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I do expect things to happen, but not magically. I think God uses people and so forth. But um, I have a lot of hope for the church. I also um, feel a, that heaviness because for our churches to thrive in the future, some huge changes are going to have to happen and it will not be pretty. And a lot of pastors feel like they didn't sign up for that. Um, mm-hmm. And they just don't have the bandwidth. And right. right. Yeah. Um, uh, friends, I see Glenn Bell is here. Thanks for being here. Glenn, if there's others you're here, please let us know you're here. Um, we'd like to know where your context is and, and what you're thinking yeah. about. Um, uh, Jan, her context primarily is in in uh, the Presbyterian Charlotte, which is more than just Charlotte. It goes to Monroe and Wadesboro and yep. I think all the way to Hamlet. Is all, it the all the way to Hamlet to- and then to the North Davidson okay. and then all the way to the South Carolina border. Although we have one church in South Carolina. I'm oh, not sure yeah. how that happened. First right. Pageland in Pageland, South Carolina okay. is on our Presbytery. I, it's a bonus for us. This, this is this is home, you know, territory for me. She shared earlier, and so it. Uh, I, I know these towns she's talking about. <laughs> I've driven those roads. Um, many, many, I lived in Rockingham, actually. Also, oh yeah. So, um, but you know, she is noticing that even in the midst of this Bible Belt, there's that's you know, you wouldn't necessarily know it was Easter. That's that's uh, an interesting uh, observation, and and yet um, there's some faithful things. This story about the church that's sort of done the calculation and wants to leave a legacy and you think they they may even still be here. It sounds like that sounds like an Easter story. They're willing to lose their yeah. life and yes. they're not expecting that to be some right. life for their church, like as to continue as a congregation, but it might be. I mean, but it's that kind of yeah. gutsiness, boldness. That's I guess. right. Would you call it that? I mean, absolutely. One of the biggest problems with so many of our churches is, um, is the fear just mm-hmm. so afraid that one false move and we'll close the door. So we call the wrong pastor. We right. buy the wrong paint color for the front door. We, right. um, you know, we send the wrong kids to camp. I mean, it just the fear. And, um, but I see that just in the culture in general, we are a, a ridiculously fearful world. I mean, you see that in the gun violence every day. People are afraid they're shooting a child who, you know, rings your doorbell without oh, even yeah. finding out oh, what he's gosh. doing there in the middle of the day. Oh, um, we're just afraid. And I think mm-hmm. I, I, want, I don't want to just blame the media, but I think the culture makes us afraid. Right. And so we need to ask ourselves who gets whose power gets maintained if we are afraid, right. uh, because the power of God, you know, helps people be fearless, like that church that wants to do something that would create a legacy. Right. One hundred percent. 
Well, and I'll say the Presbyterian Charlotte. I've heard a little bit more. You probably should tell, you know, so you, Presbyterian Charlotte, when you receive this unexpected gift, you can use this money for whatever you want. Right. You easily said, let's put that in an endowment. Oh, no. Fund our operations going forward. <laughs> but that's not what you did. Right. No, we. I think we spent all that money, and and it wasn't it wasn't like a million dollars or anything, but it was a couple. Gosh, I think it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. Right. But any of our churches that needed, especially during COVID, our role as a presbytery, a mid council, is to equip and resource our congregation so that they mm-hmm. can pivot. And everybody had to pivot during COVID. So people needed new um, technology. They needed sure. new microphones. And and we also had, and this was maybe even better than having that money, we had people that our presbytery paid out of that money to be consultants because this church might only need new microphones. Right. That church needs a whole system. So right. you don't walk into Best Buy and spend $10,000 when you really only needed to spend $1,000. Right, right. Yeah. So well, it was really good. Well, and I know I read about this, or maybe you share with me too, that I don't know if it's that particular gift or during the last few years, you had some discernment about when you receive money. Oh, yeah. Um, how that money would be spent and shared. Um, I don't know how that right. came about. Um. So, and, and I mean, this is resurrection in that a couple of our churches are closing. And so what we'll do with that money, we are fortunate in that, especially in this area, not just in Mecklenburg County, but all around our, our real estate is worth a lot of money. We have have no problem selling property if we want to sell property. Um, What a couple churches are doing, um, especially those that used to be considered outside Charlotte that now are right in Charlotte. Um, we have churches with 20 and 30 acres of property and they don't need that much property. Right. So some of them sell off property to help fund their budget. I think in the long run, that is not wise. I understand why churches do it, but that would not be my, mm-hmm. my advice. That's Cause they're most transformative maybe. It's, it's it's li- yeah, I, yeah. But I think we do have conversations about, um, how to use our money in a way, and this is always my line, in a way that addresses what breaks God's heart. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we have more African-American Presbyterians than any other Presbytery in the country mm-hmm. um, because of generational wealth and systemic racism and white supremacy and all those things that we talk about. Our African-American pastors, not completely, but many of them um, have less in terms of retirement. Um, It could be that they were never called and installed, but they served churches as temporary supply pastors and they weren't even in the board of pensions. So one of the things we decided to do when we got a big chunk of money was um, every time we get a big chunk of money, whether it's the sale of a property or somebody leaves something in their will, we take 10% of it and put it in a fund for our retired African-American pastors who are members of the presbytery. So every November they get a check and it's not thousands and thousands of dollars, but it's fairly substantial. Right. And so um, that's Thanksgiving. That sounds like Thanksgiving money to me. That's a Thanksgiving. Well, money. Christmas money. It yeah, is. that's right. But, and it's so, but it's not, it's important to, to point out that this is not because we think black people are poor because right. that is not the case. They probably have served churches that could not pay them as well as some white churches. This is about reparations. Although people, Amen. Don't like the R word, but um, 
it's a tiny, tiny thing to do. We don't congratulate ourselves for coming up with that idea as much as, okay, that's one thing we can do. Let's move on. What are some other things we can do? Right. right. And um, we are really blessed with the legacy of Catawba Presbytery, which was the the first African-American presbytery. And it was part of what was formerly the Northern Church, United Presbyterians. So we have that rich heritage. And what are we doing to um, honor that heritage? Right. Well, and folks, uh, if you didn't watch or listen to the show with Ed Newberry, who's a retired minister in the Presbytery, and we talked a little bit more about Catawba, and there's a beautiful uh, video, and Jan, you're a part of it, um, and I encourage people to learn more about it. And great stuff with the Historical Society you can access as well. So Mm -hmm. um, uh, definitely, definitely a true true gift there. Friends, I'd love to know if you're here, if there's questions, comments that you have you'd like to bring forward. Um, Jan is a, is a rich resource. Um, I know, I understand you have a sabbatical coming up. I do. What's, I do. Uh, what's, uh, what's on, what are you thinking about doing there? So I've got June, July, and August off, and I'm a little bit obsessed with um, secular authors who write about things that are um, interesting for the church context. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written about these in my blog, you know, Brene Brown, everybody knows Brene Brown. Brene Brown has questions about to ask any institution about how to change a culture. Mm. They come from daring greatly. It's a, those are great questions for any church that's trying to figure out what our culture is. If you ask the average church person, what's the culture of your church? They don't even know how to answer that. But it's simple things like, are we allowed to bring a coffee cup into the sanctuary? What's the dress right. code? What um, what do people frown upon? You know, what will you get a stink eye for doing during worship? You know? <laughs> and, um, By the way, I can never see you giving the stink eye. Oh, <laughs> but I watch people give the stink eye all okay. the time. Um, I love Yancey Strickler's book. I'm going to be talking with him. I'm, I like Lydie Klontz, who wrote the book Subtract. He's a professor at UVA. I'm going to talk to him. Um, I get to go with what used to be Macedonia Ministries, quite a few clergy friends to Israel in July. And then I'm just going to kick back with my husband. We're going from Tel Aviv to, to Italy for a couple of weeks. And I'm going to be doing some writing. I don't know what form that will be, but um, I I feel like, and I'd love to get feedback from you and anybody mm-hmm. else. Um, a lot of our churches know at this point that their culture needs to be shift shifted. Mm-hmm. We just need to kind of crack open what we've always done and let the Holy Spirit speak to us and Mm -hmm. spark some new things. But how do you walk a church through that? Mm -hmm. Um, I went to a a Presbyterian women event maybe five years ago, and it killed me because they were talking about, we need new ideas. We need new members. All of our members are north Mm -hmm. of 50, if not Mm -hmm. 60. What are some ideas? And the ideas they thought of is we could have a car wash. These are older women. (laughs) We could have a bake sale. It was just stuff that churches have done for a long time. That Garage sale, yard sale. Right. All those things that are very labor intensive. Right. (laughs) And there are other things they could do. I think the future, for example, holds um, a lot of hope for our congregations and even presbyteries that partner with unlikely partners. Ah. Whether it's with our Jewish neighbors, our Lutheran neighbors, our Baha'i neighbors, um, Bank of America, um, the YMCA. I mean, whatever it is, I think that that partnering, 
for shared goals is really, really important for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the conversations that I had with our presbytery at a meeting, one of the big mega churches in our area is called Elevation. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but let's say Elevation, which has a main campus in Charlotte, and then they've got some satellites mm-hmm. and they have about, um, again, I'm going to get my numbers wrong, but let's say it's 150,000 members. Um, in the Presbytery of Charlotte, we have more members than that. I think right. 150,000 is an incorrect number, but we have about 10 or 20,000 more members than Elevation. What if we see ourselves not as 90, 92 mm-hmm. different churches, but we're a church with 92 satellites. Okay. And so, yeah, right. and one of the things that was great about um, COVID and doing so many things online, I would get a call. Our church is not doing a Bible study this fall. Or are there other churches doing Zoom Bible oh, studies exactly. here, over here? Don't be afraid that they're going to like that church better than your church. Just go with it. Trust. We, um, mm-hmm. Because increasingly we have people who um, mm. are parts of multiple congregations and multiple organizations. Right. Um, that is really hard to hear. I hear every single day, when are people going to come back to church? Every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we're looking at the wrong people. Right. Maybe it'll be different people. I was, yeah. when we were warming up, I was sharing with Jan, my clergy cohort was uh, at Princeton Seminary and we met with Eric Barreto. It was really awesome. Talked about Luke, but we also went and visited the, the farminary there because they're Eric and Nate Stuckey are doing a course together. And and I'm just thinking, like, what if you th- thought about the presbytery? It's like a farm. I mean, there's different rows. Yeah. There's one farm. And we're all, it's, you know, it's, it's body of Christ kind of stuff, like different parts. You know, we're all part of the same body. But, you know, I can't let go of the whole idea of, you know, wheat is, you know, it, it is like 18% humidity when it's harvested. It's essentially dead, you know, for it to, to rise to new life. I mean, I think you're what you're talking about is, is just doing things differently, not trying to keep trying to keep that wheat wheat alive in the same way it was, right? Let it live right. a new life and crack open. I mean, if it doesn't, um, I mean, seeds work the same way. I can't the whole the whole farm thing is just I can't let go of it. I mean, I think it's yeah. it's you got to have some new ways of thinking. So where do you see some beautiful things happening? Some yeah. things that sort of surprise you, like. Yes. Or that's beautiful. Maybe you were part of it. I don't know. I mean, the the story of how you're playing reparations, at least as a start, is is a beautiful one. Um, I'm just wondering if there's other stories. And and by the way, John Wall is joining us. He's saying, I'd love to have a a list of that that reading that you do from sabbatical to to share. So um, I'm sure you'll do that. I'm sure. Good at at doing that. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure I will. Churches. Okay. So I was thinking about mistakes that we're making right now because mm-hmm. um, we're tired. We're going to go the easiest route, even if it's just lazy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. mistakes we're making right now are a lack of imagination, mm-hmm. a fear that we're going to lose people. More mm-hmm. people will leave. And I wrote a blog post today about magical thinking because I think the churches that are doing really cool things are doing scary things, really, okay. really scary things but they're not scared. They, I mean, they're taking seriously the whole fear not stuff from the angels. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk to churches that are really excited about something, they say, even Jan, I'm pitching this to you, but even if you say no, or you don't have any idea where we can get some assistance with this, we're still going to do it. We, do, we know we're going <laughs> to do it. 
And it could be, um, I mean, we've got quite a few churches looking at, at affordable housing projects. And um, we are fortunate to have a nonprofit in Charlotte um, headed up by somebody who happens to be Presbyterian, who partners churches with property with nonprofits or other organizations nice. that need property um, to work together. And it's she's brilliant. Um, her name is Liz Ward. I'll okay. tip of the hat to yeah. Liz Ward, who is a member of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Charlotte. Um, we're working with her. Um, we're trying to make it possible for other churches to also work with her because she doesn't work for free, obviously. But churches that are doing scary things, and the scary things could be everything from, oh my gosh, should we close our preschool? Mm-hmm. If you've had a preschool for a really long time and you imagine, maybe it's true, but maybe it's not true, that everybody knows us because of our preschool, but our preschool is losing money and... um we don't really need another preschool in this neighborhood anymore. We're having a hard time getting people. I mean, there are just so many things, especially for our oldest churches. And I mean, historically oldest. Mm-hmm. Some older than the country, you said. Some are older history. than the country. And when you've got multiple generations in a church, there's a sense of ownership. Right. On the one hand, it can be great and beautiful. On the other hand, not so great. If you feel like my great, great grandparents are in the cemetery. And, Mm -hmm. and so if you don't do what I want, um, I'm going to take my money and, and, or, or I'm not even going to leave because those families probably don't want to ever leave because those are their home churches, but they're going to make life miserable for anybody who wants to do something new. Right. So it's a great question to ask what scary things are we doing right now? And I don't mean foolish things, but Mm -hmm. um, what if we took, $100,000 out of our cemetery fund and used it to um, start a program with the elementary school that's right next to us. Right. Yes. Yes. A tutoring program or a program. And you're saying, and it sounds like, I mean, housing, I know affordable housing is an issue across the country, but if, as Charlotte is large, gets larger than Atlanta and more people are moving there every day, I'm sure housing is just skyrocketing. Right. Um, so um, that that sounds like that pushes probably especially, you know, this is a class issue. People on the margins um, yeah. pushes them away. And so that 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 sounds like ministry. Um, you know, you're telling that. And um, uh, one of our mutual friends, Mindy Douglas, among others, her church, First Durham, you know, started paying off medical debt. You yep. know, and I think they're doing it two or three times. Things like that, like and they yeah. don't expect anything back. Right. You know, but this is what we do, you know, because you should yes. be silenced by that. I mean, there's some beautiful things happening around the world world. And I know our time is, gosh, it's running past friends. If there are questions, I know there was a comment. Uh, we'd love to hear them. Let me finish that sentence. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, Lisette Gonzalez Sosa. Um, I think she is putting kind of sort of an exclamation point on your comment around the reparations work and wondering if, um, if, if maybe the board of pensions could be uh, in, get involved in that or some other way, if there's an oppor- there's opportunities for our agencies too. I mean, at the foundation with theological schools, there's other institutions that could also accept your invitation to do something scary, something different yep. <laughs> and not be scared to do it. Um, right. Uh, and, and appreciate that comment, uh, Lisette. Um, other questions folks have before we have to go. And uh, I just want to say, um, 
Glad everybody was here. I'd love for you to subscribe and review to the podcast, Leading Theologically. 70-some shows. It's I'm sorry, it's crazy to say, um, but some beautiful leaders um, and people. And love for you to come back um, uh, two weeks from now. We're about every two weeks. Uh, Jenny Norris Lane, who's um, out of uh, Texas, but is the executive director of Ukirk Collegiate Ministries. That's is there a Ukirk in the Charlotte area or maybe? There is. So it's not, well, we at the, at a. Not everybody uses Ukirk. Not right. everybody uses that, but certainly there are chaplains at Queens, Davidson, John C. Smith, um, Central Carolina Community College, oh, UNC good. Charlotte. Yeah. So we'll be talking with Jenny. There are, it's a variety of things. It's very contextual. I have also Raj Nadella coming up um, from okay. Columbia about post-colonialism in the Bible, Chris Burton from Union around the Leadership Institute. And this is news, news flash, and it's a question mark, but I'm, I have been encouraged to have someone interview me. So that may be my last show of the third season. Uh, Jan will already be on sabbatical at this time. <laughs> but y'all should tune into that because Lee has wisdom that he probably doesn't get to convey because he's asking the questions. Most oh, of I time. talked way too much. Oh, I talked way too much, but thank you. That's kind. Um, Thanks, everybody, for being here. Um, there are other things you'd like to say, Jan. I'd love for you to also send and bless us. I um, will. Um, oh, goodness. I mean, I'm tired of even hearing myself say this. If your church is addressing what breaks God's heart in your neighborhood, mm. in the name of Jesus Christ, your church will thrive and grow. That's basically it. Um, so you've got to find out what breaks God's heart. You may think you know, mm -hmm. but you can't know unless you know your neighbors and you have relationships with people mm -hmm. who don't cross the threshold of your building. And so may God bless you with fearlessness and courage and a delight in knowing and trusting that God is with us. And um, resurrection is the gift that we get. But don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jan, and thanks others who are here with us. We're glad you're here. Blessings to you. Hope to see you again soon. And um, prayers for your sabbatical that's Thank coming you. around the corner. And may um, uh, the may you be renewed in your yes. energy and your vision and your writing and all that you do. And and I just I've got to say thank you for the gift you have and continue to be um, not only to me and to charlotte but to the Presbyterian church the church and 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 more broadly um a true gift and inspiration and i know you're never looking for it you're shaking your head like you don't want any of this attention but um i'm just just so grateful um blessings everyone and uh, we'll hope to see you soon thanks everybody